because you have done the work, because that work was done, the compound effect was, look, immediate, 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 what appears to be immediate results. But this is the coming to fruition over almost mm -hmm. a decade. Right. And the same for our financial freedom. It took a long time for us to build the house that we're building today. Right. But it took consistent effort, consistent dedication. And it was the compound effect of a long-term goal. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. All right, all right. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free Podcast. You are back on the mic again with a wonderful, pretty amazing interview today. Today, I am privileged to have really the most beautiful co-host we have ever had in Cashflow Tactics history. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, Brad's not that good looking. Jimmy definitely is not that good looking. So who could it possibly be? I have my amazing and beautiful and talented wife, Bethany Robinson Lee, on the podcast with me today. Hey, it's good to be here. I've been itching to get on this mic for a while now. Now, we were going to put this on video, but it's just on the microphone today. But Beth is all geared up in her Ooh, CFT gear. She's yes, got her hoodie on. Now, Beth, you love this time of year. It's fall, right? It's coming up. It's November when we're recording this. You love this time of year for a reason that maybe some people wouldn't consider, but you love it. Why? Why do you like this time of year? Sweaters and sweatshirts. Sweaters and sweatshirts. Comfy clothes season. I remember when we first met, she gave me a whole rundown of how fashion worked. And I thought, so here's the funny part. She told me what her favorite color was back when we were first dating. And she called it a signature color. My signature color. And I was really excited because I'm like, okay, cool. She told me what her favorite color is. Do you remember is. what it was? Cobalt blue. Uh-huh. She told me what it is. I'm going to file that away. I'm going to store that away. I'm going to be the best boyfriend slash fiance, now currently husband ever, because I now know her favorite color. But what did I come to find out soon after? It revolves. It revolves. It, it revolves. It evolves constantly. It changes. Like, I thought <laughs> if I had cobalt blue locked away that I was good to go, but that changes so frequently. What is your favorite color today? Ooh, emerald green. Oh my gosh, emerald green. I would never even <laughs> guess jewelry, that. Ryan. Think jewelry. Oh, got it. Think jewelry. Okay. Think Christmas. So guys, we're excited. We're excited to be having this conversation today. I'm honored to have Bethany on this podcast. Um, you know, over the years, Cashflow Tactics has been something that we together have dreamed about, right? You're not on the mic. You're not in front of clients, but it's something that together you and I have dreamed about, not necessarily from talking to other people but from our lives, from our personal finance. I, I really feel like cash flow tactics came to be because you and I were struggling financially and Brad and Christine were struggling financially. Well, well uh, can I interrupt you for a sec? Yeah. I want to go back to even before that. Uh-oh. I want to share a story. I think your cash flow tactics friends will love this. The story of how I fell in love with the Ryan Lee are you ready, babe? This is this <laughs> yes, could no be idea scary. that I was going to tell the story. <laughs> well, I think the first couple times I met Ryan, it was very obvious that he was a man of integrity, super smart, super motivated. Um, those things were obvious right away. 
Um, but when I really fell in love with Ryan was when I learned about his past. He's been pretty honest about his lack of high school schooling. <laughs> so if if you haven't heard some of the podcast episodes, there is an episode where I talked about, actually, I'm a high school dropout. So yeah, there it is. Yeah, he was. And um, also all sorts of mischief, up to no good. And I didn't fall in love with him because he had that experience. Why I fell in love with him was because one day... He said, this is not me. This is not what I want to become. And I'm going to change. And if you would have seen High School Ryan, which I've seen videos of it, it was completely different. And he had to change his friends. He had to move. He had to um, really find his spirituality again. And this was not an easy change. This was a massive, massive change that he had to make. And he set the goal to do it. And he did it. And right when I learned that story, I was like, oh my gosh, this man is capable of doing huge things because of the goals that he sets. And I want to hitch my wagon to that guy and I want to go where he goes. And after that, it was game over. I was in love. Oh man. Madly in love. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. So when I did change, and I'm, I'm going to take this story just one step further because this is the funny part of that change, right? <laughs> so when I changed my life, I, I literally, I changed everything um, except my wardrobe. <laughs> I didn't change my wardrobe. So I had all my big Junko, I, I don't even know. J- Junko, 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 whatever jeans, they are. My yes. chains, oh, I don't know if thing. we should tell anyone that you wore those. Oh man, I had it all. I had it all. <laughs> and I didn't know, like I am so fashion illiterate. I have no idea what's going on. Like I have to ask Beth every single day, does this go with that? Does this color match? That's time. why he wears black every day because you just can't really fail with your yeah. your swag. Yeah, I love I love the casual tactic mm-hmm. swag because I just choose one black shirt or another black shirt. It's yeah. pretty easy. But I remember we were dating, you know, everything was going the right way. And I was going to, in fact, it was this time of year. I was going to come out and see Bethany and her family for Christmas. So we were dating. We weren't engaged or anything like that, but it was getting more serious. Yep. I was going to meet her family for the first time. Now I had to drive from Utah to Colorado to do that. Mm -hmm. I had a kind of gangster little Mazda Miata, (laughs) right? And I was going to drive that through. Well, you had made it into, you you had a... it, yeah, because they're not gangsters. Oh, they're not gangsters. Yeah, but it was low rider. It had big rims. Yeah. It, had, it was yeah, awesome. Yeah. But um, anyway, I had to drive that through the mountains of Colorado, and I was excited. And I was ready to go. But before I came on this trip, Beth sat me down and looked me right in the eye with a very a serious talk. look. Yeah, we have to have the talk. And I thought, oh, man. A very serious talk. We're going to break up. This is done. Serious. What was the talk about? You've got to get new pants. <laughs> got to get new pants. <laughs> I couldn't come to her house wearing the pants that I was wearing. They were unacceptable. And... That's how the story of our relationship began right there. In fact, when we got married, she moved into our apartment a couple of weeks before I did. And by the time I got to the apartment, I was missing half my clothes. And I wondered what the heck was happening. And she didn't know what had happened. They just miraculously disappeared. So this is not a podcast about fashion. This is a podcast about empowering your life, about financial freedom. And today... I'm grateful to have Beth on the podcast because we're going to be talking about goals, uh, goal setting. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about today that I think people lose track of is the compounding effect of goals, the long-term impact of a goal. And I think a lot of times what happens with people when they set a goal, they're motivated to change an aspect of their life, whether it's they want to get in shape, they want to make more money, they want to invest, whatever it might be, they're motivated to do something. But inevitably, a goal is going to require you to push your limits, push your boundaries of what you think you're capable of 
And doing that is uncomfortable. It's hard, right? It's difficult. And that's, I think everyone goes into a goal knowing that that's going to be part of the process to a certain extent. But at some point, your motivation has to convert from not just being motivated, but to being committed. And when you're committed, that's what allows you to punch through the hardships, the trials, the, the difficulties, and truly see a goal all the way through. And sometimes goals, you can see the fruition of those goals within months. Sometimes they take years. And today we're going to be talking about a long-term compounding effect of a goal. Now, Beth, inside of Cashflow Tactics, we talk about financial freedom Mm -hmm. and we talk about it in 10 years or less, right? Now, I think that gets people excited because most people are used to the conversation of money being around 40 years, right? Hey, I'm going to work until I'm 65 or 70. And we, we have the audacity to come in and talk to people about being financially free in 10 years or less. And that gets people motivated to listen to the message. But is it easy to become financially free in 10 years or less? We have learned that it is very hard and it takes work and it takes sacrifice and it takes goal setting. Is it worth it? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Freedom is always worth it, right? So mm-hmm. going into this conversation of goal setting, um, when you come into cash flow tactics, everything begins with a game plan, right? It begins with mapping out where you're at currently and getting a clear understanding of what's working and what's not working in your current financial life. It then is setting the target of what does financial freedom actually mean? How do we measure and quantify that? But then when you, with those two points in time, where I'm at and where I'm going, then sets in the tedious work, the monotonous work, in some cases, the difficult work of doing the exercises, doing the work to become financially free. So Beth, when you and I started this process, I'll never forget, and we've told this story, we won't tell much of it this time, but I'll never forget when I wrote the first $5,000 check to hire our first mentor to get us going. I tell the stories, obviously, from my perspective, because they're my perspective. You probably have a whole different perspective on what that what all went down. But remember when we wrote that first check to hire a mentor to teach us how to do real estate? I remember. How did that make you feel? Well, going along with what I said earlier, like wanting to hitch my wagon to you, I feel like wherever you go, it's going to be a good place. So I think it wasn't my nature to do something like that, but really having so much belief in you in that way was very helpful. Um, So it was very scary with that check because that's basically all that we had at that moment. But also it was really exciting. I mean, we just laughed afterwards. We're like, all right, our life is going to be different now. And we just put our money where our mouth was and we're doing it. Yeah, we did it. And you know, that was exciting. That was the motivation part, right? We were motivated because we saw a path to getting what we wanted faster and sooner but that path required constant sacrifice, right? I mean, I remember the first house that we lived in. Um, we kind of joke about this. I don't know. I think I joke about it. It might not be as funny of a joke to you, but we lived in our, in our first house and I was so committed to this idea of becoming financially free. And every time, you know, every time we wanted to do anything, it was always in this lens of, oh no, we're not going to do it today. We're going to push and wait for one day and then we'll be financially free. And I remember we lived in that house and it was basically empty, right? The house came mm-hmm. with the couch because they couldn't get it out. Uh, my parents gave us a kitchen table because I graduated school finally because I didn't graduate high school and I went back to college and got my degree. Every room had a bed in it, thankfully, but everything else in the house was empty. And I remember we had a lot of conversations around, you know, hey, why don't we turn the house into a home? And, and we made some sacrifices, keeping that house primarily empty to invest. Like, how was that for you going through that experience? That was actually really hard. I think that you and I do handle goals really differently. And so you were full force, like we are saving, we are doing this, we're not gonna spend money on anything. 
but the, these investments, and I was more like, let's invest in today too. Yeah. <laughs> so I think while I was on board all the way with that, it was really difficult putting away what I wanted at that moment for what would be our long-term goals. Well, and we're going to come back and talk about that because I think that's really balancing the future with the present is a difficult thing for people to do, but it's absolutely 100% necessary on this journey of financial freedom. Let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit more of sacrifices in pursuit of a long-term goal. So we lived in a house that was empty for years, right? Uh, We ended up with my profession. We ended up going from, you know, house to house, location to location. And um, right before we quit the corporate world, we ended up going to back to Denver, back to your hometown, right? Yes. We lived in Denver. We didn't, man, you know, we we didn't fully grasp it yet. At least I didn't because we bought a house. I don't know. And, and the prices in, in Denver were higher, but we bought a house. It was a bigger house, right? It was on the golf course. We were trying to balance this idea of, you know, do we want to be free? Do we want to live now? But I, I felt like once we lived in that house, it was actually slowing us down from the goal that we had of becoming financially free. Yeah, it's interesting that we didn't learn the lesson the first time about having a home that we didn't feel like we could furnish or take care of the way that we wanted to because we bought a house that was within our means, but definitely not something that we could furnish and decorate and really take care of within our means. So we made that mistake twice. Yeah, we made it twice. And here's the best part about mistakes, right? Here's the best part about goals. Here's the best part about failure. Is Was failure failure? I mean, did like the failure is only failure if you stop, right? And so... We learned again that, hey, by living up to our means, we can't save as much, we can't invest as much, we can't get as fast, you know, traction as we want on our goals. And we didn't love that house because of it. Because like, of it. We think of that house and we're like, ah, that house. Yeah. You know, we thought we wanted it so bad and we needed to be in this community, but it was really, it was the opposite of freedom. We lived on a, oh man, I love that. It was the opposite of freedom because it wasn't giving us what we wanted. And no. I remember... We lived there for about 14 months and we sat down and we had a conversation around what we actually wanted. And it was so powerful to get aligned together on that because goal setting for us has been a challenge over the years. Would you agree? Yes, I think so. You know, because my version of goal setting is exactly what Beth said. Hey, we're going there. And when we get run and gun, run and gun, then we're going to be happy. Everything's going to be awesome once we get over there. But we got to go there really, really fast. And then when we get there, the target moves. The target moves. Then we're going to go over there. And then once we get over to the next place, then we're going to be happy. And so it's always this horizon effect. And I'm I'm definitely like, this is the moment. This is now. This is awesome. (laughs) And and so that was really hard for us in the beginning. And honestly, it's still a challenge for us to a certain extent. But that's what makes us a good team. I think yeah. too, because like you really push me and I think I center you as well. Oh, heck yeah. And I, I want to talk more about that. But I remember when we sat down and we really got committed to saying together, together, this is where we're going, right? We decided to make some major moves, some major shifts. And so we sold the house in Colorado and we downsized almost, we cut our mortgage in half. Uh-huh. We bought a house. She Okay. So this is crazy. So we bought a house saying, okay, look, we're going to downsize our house and we're going to live in a house that is going to basically be an investment home, right? It's not, mm-hmm. we picked the area. It's our five-year home. Yep, we picked our area. We wanted to live in a general area. And then I called up a couple of my investor friends and I said, okay, find us a house in this area. And we want it to be, you know, I don't care if it's run down. I don't care what it needs, but I want to buy something that's going to be cheap. Oh, and I knew I could fix up whatever, whatever I was given. If I had a budget for it, I would make it fantastic. And she did, because we bought this house. So we bought this house and it was amazing the way it came together. It cut our mortgage and our, our, our living expenses literally in half. But I would say that that house like doubled, if not tripled, our happiness. Yes. As far as at least the living 
conditions. Like we loved it there. We felt the freedom to buy the things that we wanted to make it homey and to, to paint the walls the colors that we wanted. And and it was so fun. And it was just a better situation for us. A hundred percent. So man. much freedom there. Well, and here's why we made these decisions, right? I mean, we had enough cash flow coming in at the time that when we moved from Colorado, we moved back to Utah and we decided to make a major, major, major shift in our income, right? We had enough cash flow coming in from all the work that we had done over the previous four years that we knew we could put food on the table. We knew we could feed our kids ramen noodles and we knew we could base the strike number, the strike number. Yeah. We could keep the lights on. And so I decided to walk away from the corporate world and Bethany had been pushing me to do that for years, years. Years. I've I've known this was your path from (laughs) before you knew this was your path. You knew it from the beginning and I was too afraid to look at it. And so after about four, almost five years in the corporate world, I walked away. We sold our house. We downsized dramatically. We moved into a house that was, man, it was crazy because it gave us so much permission or freedom to say, okay, look, we've got enough cash flow coming in. What do I want to do? And this is ultimately how cash flow tactics started. And now it took years to develop, but this is really how cash flow tactics started. But it was amazing because we downsized our house. We sold our cars. We just started looking at money saying, look, what is going to make us happy? We sold our cars. Have you told them about what your car was, what you bought? Uh, so I bought a hell damaged. Now, when you think of hell damaged, I mean, think of like baseball bats and softballs and like, I mean, there were major pop marks. And it was scene. everywhere. It was like, everywhere. It was the funniest car. So I bought a hell damaged Toyota Corolla and it, it was crazy. It was like, so I didn't owe any money on it, but I, we just downsized all of our expenses. Well, and there was so much freedom in that car as well, because like you got hit by a couple of cars before and yeah. you're like, nah. Yeah, I got in a car accident one time driving home and I couldn't tell where the hell damage stopped and the car accident began. And so I was like, yeah, we're all good if you're good. I don't want to call the police. And like, how fun was that? You're awesome. like, yeah, we're like, we don't need to worry about this. Go on your way. So I think this brings out a major point. Um, it brings out the point that, look, so goals require sacrifice, right? And today we're in a position that we're starting to realize some of the benefits of that sacrifice, the fruits of the labor. You know, Beth, you're a, you're a gardener. To give us kind of a gardening analogy with what, it, like to get the harvest, what is required? Well, I mean, a ton of work. I mean, I, I just think back to earlier this year, I, I was like, Rye, I need you to go on an errand with me and take the truck. And pretty soon we were lifting how many bags of steer manure into the truck. Oh, there was more than that. I want to say there was like 80 or something like that. We bought all of them. We We bought all of the steer manure. And I was just (laughs) laughing. I'm like, this is so fun that I got Ryan to do it. (laughs) And then he shoveled it in my garden. It was a ton of work. It was heavy. It was gross. But because of that, I had a beautiful garden, just a fantastic harvest. My flowers were bigger and better and they were just beautiful. But yeah, so much work goes into that, you know, stirring that soil, I don't just pruning and all of that stuff. It's fun work, but it's hard work. And then it requires a ton of patience, sitting and waiting, watering, waiting. (laughs) I mean, that's exactly, you start with the end in mind. You want this Mm -hmm. big, beautiful garden. You want the harvest, you want the flowers, you want the crops. But in order to get that, it does require planting the seed, right? Mm-hmm. Taking that first step, nurturing that seed, cultivating Waiting in that the seed. manure. Yeah, waiting in the manure. And man, that's a great analogy because that's it right there. Sometimes it's not easy. Or pretty. But if you're committed to what you want, it's always worth it. And, you know, I remember one of the goals. So, you know, in the beginning, I was crazy and I'm still probably crazy. But I, you know, Beth and I really aligned after about four years of doing this to say, okay, look, how do we balance 
moving forward in goals and also living in the moment, right? How do we balance these two things? And this has been a constant give and a take and a dance for us to set future-based goals, but to also have money and capital allocated to living in the present moment and, and enjoying our life. And in cash flow tactics, what we say is financial freedom is not a destination, right? Financial freedom is a lifestyle. And so in order to embrace that lifestyle, you have to, yes, work for a future-based goal, but you have to give yourself permission to live in the moment. And those permissions don't have to be huge, right? In the beginning for us, it was just giving ourselves permission to go on date night, to go out to a restaurant, to mm-hmm. put a picture in, inside of our home and start to make a house a home. Even like buying seeds that we can plant, you know, that was $3. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that sometimes that feels like a lot. And you know, the, the cool part about that though, is for me in the beginning, it was, it was, I had a lot of resistance to spending money on things or experiences because I felt like they were going to get me further away from what I wanted so passionately. I wanted financial freedom. But what I ultimately realized is in the, without those enjoyments, without those, that emotional satisfaction that I was living, the, the return on attention, return on attention without that, I was really missing the entire point, right? I was pushing all of my happiness, all of my, what I wanted to the future. But as I started, as you and I started to build and live a life that mattered in the moment, you know, this emotional, like I was so grateful for it. I I was emotionally connected to what we were doing, not in the future, but in the present. And it gave both you and I a way to say, look, how do we sustain this? How do we make this go faster? How do we, you know, how do we do this? Because that's really what, what ultimately brought it home for me is how do we buy houses and generate cash flow and use that cash flow to build a life that matters with our family, with our kids. And, you know, in the beginning, I remember we set a goal. Well, you've always had this goal. And I, I thought it was kind of a, I didn't know it was a real goal until maybe the last couple of years. But your goal has been to build a house. Always. It has always been my goal. Always been your goal. Always, since before you. Yeah, since before me. Way before you. Oh, man. So Beth is, she is a creator. She is a creator. She can just create out of dirt, like the manure. She can create a garden. She can create a beautiful home out of like a... Garage sale. A garage sale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's always been everywhere we've gone. She's created something amazing. And this creation, she wanted to manifest it from plans to building, right? Yep, from the very bottom up. And I remember, this has been probably five years now, maybe four years. We bought a lot with the intention of building a home. And that the lot was expensive, right? And the home was going to be expensive, right, to build. Yes. And I remember at that point, we had achieved financial freedom. Now, it wasn't the lifestyle that we said, okay, look, we can travel, we can buy whatever we want, we can do whatever we want. But we had achieved a version of financial freedom. And I felt it, and I know you felt it as well, there was an element of financial stress that was lifted off our shoulders, right? What was once so stressful was gone, right? Mm-hmm. We, we could maintain and, a And life. that's because of the sacrifices that we've been making. Absolutely. Yeah. We've been taking money that we could have easily spent on other things, and we've been putting it in vaults and real estate and mm-hmm. building up cash flow and repeating that process. And that was hard in the beginning. That required a lot of sacrifices, downsizing our home, driving a hell-damaged car, not getting the clothes that we might have wanted. When we saw our friends out going on lavish vacations, we were sacrificing. We were literally sacrificing to get what we wanted. But I remember we got to the point where we could start to think about some bigger goals, maybe spending some of the money that we had built up inside of our game plan. And so we bought this lot. Uh, we put the down, the earnest money down, and we had 30 days to close on it. And as we were kind of putting the plans together of what the home was going to be, it was going to be a big home. And I remember as we started doing the math, there was this sense of anxiety that you and I had that we didn't really talk about, but we could both feel it. 
Well, and I think it just boiled back to, do we want to go back to the, how we felt in the house in Colorado, where it was a beautiful house and a beautiful location, but we were kind of a slave to that house. Do we want to go back there, even if it is our dream home and we've wanted it for so long? The answer was no. The answer was no. And Mm -hmm. like we always do, um, you know, we oftentimes find our connection and our communication up in the mountains. So it got to the week of closing. It got to the week where we were going to put all of the money down, buy the lot, and really commit to this thing. And we decided to go on a walk. We decided to go on a walk up here. There's a there's a big waterfall up in the Provo Canyon, and we decided to go on a walk up the canyon. And I remember that because we started talking again about what do we want? How do we feel? How do we we want to be free? Right? We want to be free. And this lot, this action that we were getting ready to take, was going to put us back to where we weren't going to be financially free. And I remember we talked about that and we both committed to let the earnest money go and to walk away from the lot. My heart was broken though. It was so hard to do that. And even still, even now, if I pass that lot, I get that like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it was, it, that was a huge sacrifice for us. Yeah, that was hard. It was mm-hmm. hard. It was super hard. But I, I remember feeling like, ah, just a weight lifted off the our relief. shoulder. Yeah, also, the relief. the relief was so good. But then I also remember that we had a new goal. We had a new target to run after. And so we put our head back down and we said, okay, in order to get that, like we want to do that. So in order to get that, we're going to have to build a portfolio that's bigger. We're going to have to generate more cash flow. We're going to have to generate more capacity to where we can do that without the stress. Mm -hmm. And um, this year has been a pretty interesting year because that is now full force coming to fruition. We are in, well, when I say we, I say this very, very loosely. Bethany is designing a house right now and she comes to me with the plans and I kind of just sit there. I'm like, I don't don't know, (laughs) but it's being, it's looking amazing. And I'm really, really stoked. So, so we do have a lot um, and we're in the engineering phase. So we'll see how the rest goes, Yeah, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be hard and it's going to be fun. But man, how does this feel to have, I mean, this is like, honestly, Beth, this is like a 10 year goal coming to fruition. Even more than that. It feels wonderful. I guess it will feel more wonderful when it's done. And if we stay in budget, that will feel wonderful. Well, what's the difference now between this time doing it and the four years ago when we were, when we almost pulled the trigger on it? Something that I really love about this house is we will be paying for this house almost exclusively because of the real estate that we've been investing in for years and years and years. So it's not coming from our day-to-day income, rather our cash flow that we sacrificed for, you know, about 10 years ago. When, when, when did we buy our first property? 10 years ago. Right. And so the ball got rolling and the ball got rolling. And now it's not going to largely change the way that we are able to live our lives. Even though we're buying a nicer house and a dream home by our standards, it's not going to really change the way that we live our life. Our life can go on similarly. And here's the thing that I've noticed, like the stress that I felt, that you felt when we were going to this the first time and on the Colorado house and on every expense that we had up to that point, the stress isn't there, right? No. I mean, as we're building no, this, exactly. of course there's a budget. We have, mm-hmm. we know what we're working within, mm-hmm. but the stress of, of what was once there on just our living expenses is now gone. And so the real outcome of this for me, and I, I want to hear it from you as well, is man, this is a 10-year goal, a 10-year goal that required blood. It required sweat. It required tears. It required sacrifice. It required everything. But we were committed to it. We went past the motivation stage, right? If we were only motivated, we would have stopped well into the first couple months because it hasn't been easy. It's hard. But oh my gosh, has it been worth it? Yes. It's been absolutely worth it. And sometimes goals come to fruition fast. Sometimes goals take some more time. 
But the harder the goal, the bigger the sacrifice, the more glorious the reward is. And it's been really, really fun this year watching you just be in your elements of creation and knowing that I can support that because we built this together. We did this together, this game plan, even though I get to be the front of Casual Tactics, you've been behind this and Casual Tactics is really, people ask me all the time, how did you start Casual Tactics? And it really, it came about because of all of our pain and our, our sacrifice and Brad's and Jimmy's and Susie's and, and Christine's, we were all stuck and we didn't call Casual Tactics what it is then. We were just trying to figure out a way to become unstuck. Mm -hmm. And through doing that, right, through doing that, we found some principles and some things that worked. And then as they were working and the evidence was manifesting and the evidence was consistent, then we started having people saying, well, what are you doing? Right. And that's mm -hmm. ultimately how Casual Tactics came to be. So grateful for that. Now, I want to talk a little bit about some other goals that have come to fruition in 2020. You okay with that? Yeah, babe. So, um, where did this story actually begin? You, Beth. Cottonwood Heights. Cottonwood Heights. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is the same house. We are having little babies. Little babies. This is the same house that, okay, now let's, let's take you back and kind of set the stage. So this is the same house that we lived in where there was no furniture in the house, right? There was a bed. There was a couch that came with the house. We sold the house again with the same couch because we could. No, no, oh, we, we had, had to. to we it. had to cut it. They didn't want the couch. We <laughs> took like the couch. Gross. They didn't want it, so we had to hire someone to come in with a saw and cut the couch in half <laughs> to get it out. <laughs> to get it out of the house. But anyway, I digress. But this was a crazy time of our lives. I was getting my master's degree. I was working full time and getting a master's degree, and I was traveling all over the country. You were home a lot with caring for our kids as they were growing up. And you have always been a very, very good writer. You've written blogs. People have always, you know, gravitated to what you've written over the years. But you had a crazy goal. What did you decide to do? I was going to write a novel. And I did. So tell us about that novel. Where did this desire come from? Um, well, so it's a young adult novel. It's a thriller. Um, but I've always known I was going to write it. It's about a girl who goes to summer camp and learns that she's the subject of a twisted genetic experiment. Oh, my. Ooh. But I've always known that I wanted to write a good camp mystery for teens. Just the element of being away from parental supervision, getting into mischief, going through the angst of being a teen. And then I threw a little murder in there just to make it fun. Murder. Murder. And for those of you that don't know Beth very well, she has got a murderous, a devilish side to her. <laughs> no, but the reality of it was, you knew you wanted to be a writer, right? That's yes. always been in, like a, an internal identity for you. And mm -hmm. I know you've struggled with that over the years to where finding the time, finding the capacity, finding the desire. What was it that pushed you for over the edge to say, look, I'm just going to do it? Well, I mean, just that. I mean, we, we come from a goal-making and doing family got a lot of inspiration from my parents, but a lot from Ryan too. And I realized there was nothing holding me back but me. And so we made it work. I mean, I remember Ryan would be working all day and I'd be working with the kids and, and doing all that really busy stuff that comes with having littles. Then Ryan would get home from work and I would just pass him the kids and I'd be like, all right. And then I would just go into the basement and write and write and write. And it was actually a pleasure. It was a joy writing. I loved it. And the cool part was, you know, I look at writing a book. I've, you know, we've been trying to write a book in Casual Tactics for like years. You, once you got into the groove and once you got into the habit of writing consistently, that book kind of came pouring out. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. How long did it take you to write the book? I can't even remember, but not long, like six months, maybe, six, maybe a year. I mean, it was, no, it was less than that. It was like 
three or four months. You got that thing done, and you went back and edited it and then sent it out to right. a lot of people, but you got that book out quick. Yes. So you wrote you wrote the book, right? It's exciting. Mm-hmm. You had the book. I remember it was in a, uh, one of those those three ring binders. <laughs> yes. Right? It was in a blue binder. Printed it out. Yeah, we bought it from, we sat, we splurged on a little blue binder from uh, Home Depot or not Home Depot, what, <laughs> Office Max. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we read the book, we passed it on to our, our in-laws and parents and, you know, cousins and everyone read it and edited it. And the feedback from a very, very tight community was overwhelmingly, this is awesome. Yeah. Right. But, you know. That was my mom. Yeah, that was her mom. And, my, and, and, and your mom. Yeah, moms have it's to say awesome. it's awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. And I said it was awesome. But, I, you know, that feedback it validated to a little bit. But I think it pushed you to the next level, right? It was right. one thing to write a book. What was the next step for you? So if you're not familiar with the publishing world, generally, if you want to get it published, is you find yourself an agent. And then that agent shops the book to publishers. So I wrote a bunch of query letters to agents. Just uh, define a bunch. Well, so it started out with 10. So I wrote them and I said, hey, I have this book. This is what it's about. Will you read it? I was lucky to get a couple answers maybe, but by and large, the answer was, no, we will not read your book. By and large, <laughs> it was crickets, right? Yes. And so 10 more, sent out 10 more, research 10 more agents, send out 10 more letters. I repeated this over and over and over again. And by, I think it was 100 maybe even more than a hundred query letters, just trying to find an agent. And I remember that was really hard for you. Right. Well, because you're so vulnerable. You're like, here, you know, this is something that I put my heart into and I just want you to read it. Please just read it. And it's it's a good book and you knew it was a good book. I knew it was a good book. But you couldn't get people to open it. Like I knew it was a really good book. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that's the thing. I was like, all you have to do is read it and then you would know. And I remember watching you struggle through that and sacrifice through that, but your commitment to becoming a published author didn't waver. Now, you decided to put it up on a shelf for a little while, right? But that always stayed in the back of your mind. You always viewed yourself as an author, mm-hmm. but the, maybe the timing wasn't right for you. Yeah. So the next, I don't know, five, six, seven years, right, went by and we raised our kids and you got, you still wrote. Yeah, I, I had a, I, I won't go into it today, but a disaster with one of my books. Oh, yeah. I remember that disaster. That was a setback. That was definitely a setback. Um, another another podcast. Another podcast. Okay, because that was book number two. Because book number one, she put up on the shelf and she started on book number two, right? Trying to find a different way to penetrate the market. But it was really interesting. This year, we went on a cruise, right? We went on an entrepreneur cruise sponsored by Russell Brunson. And, you know, on that cruise, we were, you know, I don't know, there's probably a hundred other entrepreneurial families on there, you know, couples, people. So we were hanging out, talking, you know, this and that. We went on uh, one of the nights, we went to dinner, and it was me, Beth, and the kids. And we ran into a good friend of ours, Anissa Holmes. And um, we invited Anissa to come to dinner with us. And she came to dinner, had a great conversation. I think that was the first time you and Anissa had met, correct? Correct. So Anissa's been in the community for a couple years. Awesome, awesome individual. But you guys were talking, and Anissa started asking you questions about, you know, who are you, what do you do, and what did you say? How did, how did that conversation come out? You know, just, I garden, I bake, I design, I write books, I blah, 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 and, and like, I mean, it was like not even a thing. Like, I wasn't expecting anything out of it, but a few minutes later, she came up to me. She's like, hey, I have a connection for you, and she gave me the name of um, Nick Pavlidis, who was, uh, he does ghostwriting, but he also does... Um, just coaching is what, what, which is what I needed. Like my book was pretty much done. So here's the thing I want to point out, just some nuggets here, right? You wrote a book seven mm-hmm. years ago, wrote it from beginning to end, sacrificed. I remember when you were writing that book, you were just in a zone. Like 
you would wake up in the middle of the night and be gone for two hours because you had an idea that came to you that had to go get in the book. I remember you were like, I miss you. <laughs> I'm like, welcome to my world, husband. To welcome to my world. <laughs> uh, that is true. I miss you. I do. I miss, I miss her. Um, and, but I remember you were just in a zone and you viewed yourself like that goal transformed your identity. No longer did you want to become a writer. You were a writer. And it was just a matter of time before that writing became really well, more well known. And, you know, in that dinner, right, just in passing, you told Anissa that you had written some books and Anissa came back and opened that conversation up a little bit more, made a connection for you. Now, when you got introduced to Nick, what actually happened after that? Well, so, you know, he's like, well, send me the book. We'll see if it's any good. And then we'll get to work, like, rewriting it if we need to or whatever. I send it to him. He's like, nope, it's good to go. Good to so go. So we, we, I mean, obviously, you go through the, the proofreading phase and um, make minor changes and updates. But he was able to put it onto the desk of Morgan James, a publishing agency. And I got a publishing deal within a month. And the overwhelming feedback that you got from Nick, from Morgan James, from the uh, the go- like the people who were helping you edit it was what? This is amazing book. This is an amazing. Why book. wasn't this published before? Yes. <laughs> and you just need. And I'm like, guys, I told you. I, I told. told I told everyone. <laughs> so now the book is going to release to the public when? In March, it's going to be officially published, like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. March. March. Now we've had we've we get some advanced copies. We've mm-hmm. had 2,500 copies, and Beth is graciously allowing people into her amazing world that is so so snarky, so spicy, <laughs> so fun, so adventurous. It's just so amazing. I mean, if you've ever wanted to articulate and relive your awkward teenage years, go back. Maybe and- that's not a good selling point. <laughs> <laughs> As I read there that- are, everyone's like, I don't ever want to go back to yeah. those years. <laughs> but here's the thing. So the book is out and um, it's, it'll be out for general consumption but beth is releasing the book right now and there's 2500 copies that we're selling i want to get it into as many hands as possible because i want to create a buzz and i want people to be celebrating the book before it's officially released so we did a launch party a couple weeks ago right and invited people to the house you know sold some books gave out some books and so you probably had i don't know 300 250 people between the launch party and then right around you know leading up and right after the launch party 250 people read the book What has been the response? So good. Just so good. Um, I'm getting high fangirls. (laughs) You know, it's it's a small sample of people, but people who have read it have loved it and have been so kind and so excited and celebratory of the book. People that I know and people that I don't know as well. So it's been pretty gratifying. And she's not going to brag, so I'm going to brag for her. She's had, I mean, she had people that have come up to her, I mean, multiple posts on, on, on Facebook of they couldn't put it down. They read it in one single day. Especially teens. Like, once they get it, they read it and it's done. And even parents, like, I'm noticing, like, adults, they, they can't put it down. I mean, it's so fun to relive those years and you you just told the story. It's so amazing. It's well, and it is and it's written as a young adult thriller but i wrote it with adults in mind as well i think it would be fun for both so here's the thing about goals right that feedback that you've gained now right because i I remember in the beginning you were a little bit depressed about about just writing in general because the Mm -hmm. you didn't get the feedback right you didn't get the feedback and Mm -hmm. let's take the writing hat off for a minute when you set a goal let's say you set a health and fitness goal you need feedback you need results you need measurement you need a way to say am i making a difference and and mentors and mentors is Mm -hmm. it working right 
um, you weren't getting that feedback from the writing. So even though the goal was still a goal, it kind of got put on the shelf for a little bit. Now, the feedback that you've been getting from people that have actually read the book from publishers to consumers has really invigorated. And I've noticed like this light in your eyes again, this fire behind you to be, I really am a writer and my writing matters and my voice tells a story in a way that people want to read it and hear it and, and they can identify themselves inside of it. How has that felt to, to get that feedback? It felt really good. <laughs> I can't lie. Like I've been waiting for a long time for that and it feels good. So here's a couple nuggets out of this, guys. Goals sometimes come to fruition in a short period of time. The big goals, the relevant goals, the meaningful goals, the goals that change the course of your life and oftentimes your identity, those goals take some time, right? Patience. They take patience. They take nurturing. They take the compounding effect of a goal. And here's the thing I want to point out. You had the goal. You wrote the book. You did all the work. You made all the edits. That book was done. It was like, it was like if someone would have actually picked it up, it could have been bound and put on a bookshelf that day, right? It was done. And when the time came, when the compound effect had compounded enough and you were able to get that book in front of a publisher, your immediate feedback, I remember it was within days, you know, the Nick, the first guy who read it is like, holy crap, this is amazing. I don't need to touch it at all. I just need to get it to a publisher. And as soon as the publisher picked it up, it was the same feedback. This is fantastic. Where, where has this book been hiding? <laughs> right. And so it was this, Thanks, like, sweetie. because you have done the work, because that work was done, the compound effect was look, immediate, 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 what appears to be immediate results. But this is the coming to fruition over almost mm -hmm. a decade. Right. And the same for our financial freedom. It took a long time for us to build the house that we're building today. Right. But it took consistent effort, consistent dedication. And it was the compound effect of a long-term goal. Mm -hmm. So guys, as you're looking at your life, well, any, anything else you want to say about goals and compounding? And no, life? I mean, that just summed it up. All right. So guys, as you're looking at your life, I want to ask you this, right? What goals do you have? What do you want for your life? I think one of the biggest opportunities that we have that most people fail to capture is just getting clear on what they want. If without a clear destination, without a clear vision, you'll never get what you want, right? You'll just float around and the, the world will give you your vision and your identity for you. But when you are clear on what you want, it allows you to A, align with your spouse. It allows you to work towards a consistent outcome. It allows you to stay committed even when things get difficult. Would you agree with that, Biff? Absolutely. Oh, I just called you Biff. Why do I call you Biff? It's just always been my nickname. Always been. B-I-F-F. Yeah. So this is Bethany, but everyone that knows her calls her Biff. Uh, Beth, it's been a pleasure. It's been such an honor to hey, have you on the community babe, podcast you. today. Thank you for having me on. I just, I loved it. It was super fun. And I like talking with you this way. <laughs> well, we've got a fun little gift for our CFT community. It is the holidays and we've been bragging about this awesome book, this called upon book. I want you to tell just a little bit about the book and then, then let's give the gift out. Well, I think I just did. I mean, it's about a girl. She's kind of awkward. She goes to summer camp. Um, she starts to notice that things are a little bit fishy with summer camp. For example, some of the counselors have these really chalky gray eyes. She comes to find that she's being watched, um, video surveillance, microphones, all of that crazy stuff. And then campers start getting sick and then disappearing quietly into the night. Um, she's willing to overlook this because for the first time, she is starting to make friends and she's having fun. She's getting into mischief, having prank wars, all the fun camp stuff. But then she starts getting sick herself and realizes that she has to solve the mystery of Camp Overlook before she's the next to disappear. Ooh, the Ooh. next to disappear. So if you want a good read for yourself, for your kids. For your grandkids, for your nieces. Nephews. nephews whoever it might be. Yeah. Mm -hmm, anyone. Neighbor. 
So right now we have a few copies before this gets goes live on Amazon and all the places. Uh, how do they find the book? Go to my website, bethanylee.com, and then type in the coupon code CFT40 for a 40% discount on shipping and the book. Awesome. So CFT40. 40. 40. Mm-hmm. And go to bethanylee.com. That'll be in the show notes as well. But guys, um, take a look at your life. Take a look at your life and set some goals that are meaningful for you and, and settle in to not just a short-term you know, gratification of achieving a probably a fairly easy goal if you could do it in a short time. But start to extend your time horizon. Start to decompress time. You know, in Cash Flow Tactics, we want to compress time in helping you get financially free in a very, very compressed short period of time. But some of the best goals, some of the goals that are most meaningful require you to decompress time and to let go of, hey, what can I do in the next 90 days and to work towards a long-term vision. And that vision might shift. It might change over time. But when you're working towards a long-term vision, it gives your life a sense of meaning and it gives your life a sense of purpose. Would you agree with that, Beth? Yep. All right, guys. So get in the game with us. Go to bethanylee.com. Coupon code CFT40. Bethany, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Ryan. I hope you enjoyed that last episode. And thanks so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you have a question that you'd like us to answer raw and uncut on this podcast? All you need to do is head over to the Apple Podcast and do three simple things. Number one, leave a rating and review telling us what you think of the podcast. Number two, in that review, ask anything you want related to your path to becoming financially free. And third, if you want a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then listen in to hear your questions answered live, raw, and uncut. Join us next time on the Rise Up Live Free Podcast.